Hey, welcome along. This is James Water, and you are listening to Show Talk, uh, the podcast. So welcome, well done for finding us. Why don't you subscribe? It'll change your life. Uh, today, great interview. Uh, Pete Waterman in conversation with me all about uh, his time with Kylie Minogue, really, uh, the PWL years, and then a little bit as well about Pop Idol and the revolution in TV that that was. And I think you'll enjoy the whole thing. So enjoy, subscribe. This is Show Talk from showtalk.biz. And uh, we say welcome along, one Pete Waterman. Thank you very much indeed. Hey, uh, we're, we're, we're going to, could we reminisce for a bit? Oh, absolutely. I love reminiscing. <laughs> <laughs> Not wrong with a bit of reminiscing. Because uh, you are, you know, you are. There's so much that you've done in your life. Uh, but I guess the thing that we have uh, know you for, it, well, we've been playing a couple of Kylie songs there. Yeah. You made, you kind of made Kylie famous. Well, I signed her when she was 18. Yeah. And uh, to be honest, I didn't even know what Neighbours was then. Neighbours was somebody who lived next door to me. <laughs> <laughs> so how is it? Because we've got a new, uh, sort of, I don't know, got a box set. Four, four of, uh, are these four of her first CDs or what? The This is the the first four albums yeah, yeah. Um, in, in deluxe box sets, which they've not been out for 20, some of them for one of them's 24 years old, 23, 22, and 20. So they're all, they haven't been available for, for a long, long time. And certainly they've never been available as picture discs, which they are now. Yeah. Looks great. It's, a, it's an amazing package. You know, we've got uh, lots of um, pictures that have never been used before, footage from Top of the Pops and other BBC TV shows, uh, plus the original, obviously, the album. Um, it's in two formats. There's the deluxe box sets for the real avid fans, and there's the DVD, uh, the CD come in a special box with a DVD and some postcards. So when did, uh, well, with Kylie, when did you first came across her when she was 18? How did you come across her? Um, we had a come well, we were very successful with an independent company in Australia, and... Um, they, you know, they used to promote our records like Mel and Kim and, and Banana Rama and stuff like that. Yeah. And so they had signed this girl called Kylie Minogue, who we had no idea who she was. But we really felt that, that we owed them a favour for how hard they worked on us. So we said, yeah, OK, we're producer. Yeah. Um, not knowing what Neighbours was. I mean, you know, it, it, I know that sounds naive, but if you think about it, we were so busy at the time, we didn't watch television. Yeah, yeah. And... Um, so she came over. She was on a BBC promotion um, thing for Neighbours. She was here for, I think, six days. Yeah. And because, um, of course, it takes a day to fly here for them. And um, we had two hours. Um, we wrote, uh, I should be so lucky, literally while she was sitting in the reception. <laughs> and she flew back to Sydney. And, um, and, and in all honesty, we did. Uh, we were so busy, we forgot that we'd made this record. Um, and then we, you know, we put it together because we were under pressure from the Australians because they'd had a big hit in Amer- in Australia with um, uh, Locomotion. All right, oh, yeah. And they wanted the follow-up, which was I Should Be So Lucky. Yeah. And um, so we, we finished it, sent it down, didn't think anything about it. I then got a, a call off um, a guy called Michael Hurl, who was the senior television producer at the BBC, uh, BBC One, and at that time, he did the Late Late Breakfast show for Noel Edmonds. Now, we were a little organisation in South London, and certainly senior producers at the BBC did not ring you. you know. <laughs> so I suddenly get this call, you know, and I'm thinking, why are you calling me? And I hear you've just made a single with Kylie Minogue. 
Yeah. So could you send it on a bike round to us so we could have a listen to it? <laughs> and I'm thinking, why does he want to hear it? He called me back about an hour and a half late. They said, OK, we're going to send a film crew to Australia. We're going to make a video of this record. And I'm going, but it's Kylie Minogue. And he went, yeah. And I went, well, how do you know Kylie Minogue? And I don't think he quite believed that I didn't know who she was. And then he told me the story about Neighbours. Yeah. That BBC were about to swap it from uh, 1.30, I think it was, till five, till 4 o'clock or half past 4. Yeah. Because too many kids were wagging school, so <laughs> they'd been under pressure to move it. So on Christmas Day was the first new slot for Neighbours. And there we got this record. So they played the new episode of Neighbours and played I Should Be So Look at the end with a video and buffed a record just... And we hadn't got a clue what was happening. <laughs> I mean, it was like, what the hell's going on here? What's, what is this? Wow. What a story. Yeah, and that's, and from there, you know, um, she just took it to places that we'd never, ever dreamt of because, you know, um, you know you'd, you'd, you'd press a record, you know, like the locomotion, and um, you'd get a million orders. Yeah. Now, we're a little company, you know, it's got five members. Yeah. It sounds great when you say you've sold a million records. The downside is you've got to pay for them first. <laughs> Before I get paid, I've got to pay them. You know, and they were costing me probably 30 pence each. Yeah. So, you know, you come and you think, how am I going to pay for this? <laughs> Luckily, everybody thinks, well, you're on a roll. We'll, we'll wait till you get paid. Before. And without that, you couldn't have survived. It was amazing. So it was the locomotion first, wasn't it, Pete? Did you produce that at the beginning, or did you remake it the, for the UK market? That's correct. We remade it for the UK market. Uh, one of our engineers uh, had done it. We sent him down to do it. That's as I say, we had no idea who she was. Yeah. Uh, and then suddenly, his name was Mike Duffy. Rang me and said, "I've sold a hundred thousand copies." I didn't know there was a hundred thousand people in Australia. <laughs> and because uh, because at this point, you know, you were you, we all know you as the, you know the super you know multi millionaire um, record producer, most successful in the history of the world type thing. Okay, but at this point, you weren't. You were doing okay, but you you know yeah, not... we were doing okay. But of course, the costs of, of paying your staff and of running the studios and keeping the equipment and being on the road um, was huge. Yeah, it was absolutely huge, and um, we were doing great sales, but we weren't doing unbelievable sales until Kylie. And then, you know, I mean, we'd had obviously Rick Astley had been enormous. Yeah, uh, but the money wasn't actually flowing from Rick at that point because it takes about eighteen months for the money to flow through to you. Mm-hmm. So we was yeah we were making a living, but I wouldn't say um, put it this way. I'd you know I'd still got a, a house in Newton La Willows at that point. Yeah, how did uh, you, how did you get into it? Because because you were a DJ like you know like me, yeah. we were we were out gigging at the same time, no doubt. You know, yeah. and uh, how do you go from being a sort of a, a gigging DJ to sort of producing records? Well, I just thought that um, you know I was I was to be honest, I found that I was running short of records to play. Um, because I couldn't find any of the stuff I wanted. And so I thought uh, I'd have a go at making a couple. And, uh, you know, um, I started to work with guys in London and started to pick up stuff like Doctor's Orders, Carol Douglas and stuff like that, and um, Sonny. And and, and that's where I got into it. Once, you know, people knew I knew how to to hear an ear for a hit, they started to take me into the studio to mix the stuff. And once you've got the bug, you never go back. Yeah, I mean, it must be it must be amazing because you bought the three degrees to the UK. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. 
So right, when did when did right you? Days. So yeah, this is because when you were an A&R man. So yes. you're, you're you're working in America. Yes, and yeah, I mean that's the great thing. You know, I mean I started my career back in '68. That's not 1868, but what's 1968? <laughs> um, and, 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 you know, so, you know, I went from things like Three Degrees, Musical Youth, Susan Cadogan, Alvin Stardust, Guys and Dolls. I mean, I just love music. And in those days, of course, again, you go back to the money thing, you've got to make a living. Uh, and you literally got to keep plugging away because you're only as good as your next record. You know, I didn't work on a, say... Uh, a band like, you know, say Led Zeppelin, where it doesn't matter how good you are because the band will just carry you for two, four, you know, four yeah. or five years. Working in pop music, it's not like that. You make a single, everybody loves you. It goes out of charts and nobody rings you. <laughs> That's it. Oh, what was the Pete Walkman's number now? He's gone out of charts. Because the, P- the PWL stuff, I mean, uh, you were kind of the most loved and the most hated man at the same time, weren't you? Yeah. Kids loved us, media hated us. Yeah. But then, you know, that's partly... One of the reasons we were so successful, I guess, because, you know, it was, uh, you know, it's the old Mel and Kim song, you can love us, you can hate us, you ain't never going to change us, we're never going to be respectable. Uh, you know, and that was our slogan. I mean, and, and how long did the, the Kylie thing, because obviously after you've had a few hits with Kylie, um, wow, she was gold dust, wasn't she? Yeah, and, and we had a deal right at the very beginning in 1987 for four albums. Uh, and that was our deal. So we did five albums, which included the greatest hits, and that was the deal. Obviously, by the time we came to renegotiate, we couldn't afford to renegotiate because at that point, of course, everybody wants it. But that's the same as football. You you find a young star, they're with you. To be honest, uh, in those days, people would stick to their contract. They wouldn't do it now, yeah. but they did in those days. She was She was there for five albums. She performed the five albums and then moved on. You know, now they're renegotiating their album, uh, their deals after three albums, and the agent comes in, and you don't get your fourth and fifth album. I mean, they're the games that people play now. They didn't used to do that. There was a, a different honour. Yeah, uh, and and uh, and at this point, you were, I guess you you were known, but you hadn't really started your TV career at that point, had you? No, no, um, that came later. Um, I started with the. The first nighttime television show oh, started the Hitman and Her. The Hitman and Her. I mean, yeah. I, don't, I don't know how many people watched that, but I saw it. Yeah, well, it, I mean, it's an amazing, it's become a cult programme because, of course, it was the first reality show. You know, nobody knew what reality was. The Well, you know, what's the Hitman and Her? That was reality. <laughs> remind people, the people that didn't, the, remind the kids what Hitman and Her was about because... Uh, it, well, we were it, live from a nightclub yeah. at two o'clock in the morning. You know, everybody what? completely smashed including the presenters and it was live you know the, the cameras were pointed at people dancing can you imagine that two hours of people dancing the music was fantastic though and we used to chuck in all these silly games pass the mic which of course karaoke yeah. you know change your clothes on television live it's brilliant it was, <laughs> it was bizarre it was you know you look back and think how did we get away with this yeah and we only ever got sanctioned twice is that because the bosses weren't watching not at two and four in the morning, probably not. Um, no, but I mean, you know, now, of course, you look at it, people would think it's timid television, but of course, at the time, it was revolutionary. And it's the only footage that exists of real raves. I mean, we were in the Hacienda at its height, we were at Bowlers at its height. This is live television in the hippest clubs that were on the planet. I mean, you know, 
warts and all, you see everything that's going on. So you see films and you see what you think the 80s were like, but, well, the hitman and her, the footage is real. You're listening to James Watt at Show Talk in conversation with Pete Waterman. Oh, it first uh, came to a, a sort of a national prominence is in your own right on Pop Idol, yeah, which was another revolutionary show. People forget how revolutionary that was at the time. It really was. I mean, uh, there'd never been anything like it before. Um, and, and and you know, again, going back to the Kylie story, you know, we hadn't got a clue. <laughs> Simon and I, we didn't know <laughs> because you know we'd filmed. We took sixteen weeks to film the auditions. Yeah. And, um, again, it was revolutionary that it went out on a Saturday and a Sunday. And um, I remember I remember very well going to the first meetings once we'd filmed the 16 weeks and that we were starting to edit it. Yeah. And um, ITV announced that it was going to go out at Sunday night at 6 o'clock. And everybody said, well, that's the kiss of death. Yeah. And I went, why? And they went, because 6 o'clock on a Sunday night is Songs of Praise. And you can't put a program out against Songs of Praise uh, because Songs of Praise at, at that point, which was 2002, was hollow ground. I mean, it was television never dared go into that ground. Um, it was so much the BBC slot that ITV just avoided it at any cost. Um, but they had decided to run the second part of Pop Idol against Songs of Praise, which was very different. I mean, it was very, this was, you know, real experimental stuff. And I remember by week two, so that's the fourth show in, um, on the Monday morning, we all got a call from the ITV saying we'd beaten um, Songs of Praise. (laughs) And it was only then that we sat down and thought, we got some here. Yeah. You know, and then when we got to the final, I mean, that final week, I can't explain to her, but it was unreal. I mean, it was unreal. I saw the Queen, and she told me she was voting for Will. <laughs> I saw the Prime Minister, and he told me he was voting for Gareth. And I'm walking down Bond Street, and a guy with a bowler hat shouted, Vote for Will, old chap! <laughs> and you're sitting there thinking, I'm a kid from Coventry, I can't quite handle this. Because this, there was, there, am I right in thinking there was no public vote on the first one? No, no, we had the public vote. I did have a public vote. Oh, yeah, that was the first show that ever had a public vote. And I did something that the ITV thought I was mad. I reversed the voting order. Because they said to me... uh, Because I said, you can't announce the winner, you've got to to announce the losers. Yeah. Because nobody's ever done that before. And they went, but that makes it a negative show. I went, no, it makes it a positive show. Positively, you've gone... (laughs) And they went, love it, love it, love it. Now, that's reverse thinking. Yeah. Well, to me, it was. Because if you know it won every week, you wouldn't watch next week because you knew that, in truth, if you'd looked at it at the end of the series, Gareth or Will would have won nearly every week. Yeah, yeah. Then it becomes boring. But if you don't know where they are in the order, and now and again they slip into the bottom half and there is a chance they might be going home, even if there's no chance they're going home... Yeah. It's all great drama. Fantastic, yeah. And what do you think of the uh, the ones at the moment? There's, I mean, there's a ream, X Factor and all that. Yeah, I don't think... I mean, the thing was, we just said, you said this was revolutionary. We, did, we made up the rules as we went along. Um, you know, and there were some magic moments. You can't have those magic moments once you start to have people appearing in, you know, in, in banana skins. You can't... <laughs> you know, somebody turns up and says, 
Uh, hello, someone. What are you here for? Well, my granddad died last Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah, but what are you here for? Well, I'm here to sing because he died last Wednesday. No, hang on a minute, son. What are you here for? Well, I, I, I owe this to my granddad. Well, go on, sing. You're rubbish. <laughs> you're rubbish. Yeah, but my granddad died last week. Yeah, but you're rubbish. Yeah, but my granddad died last week. No, this is a singing competition. I feel really sorry for you, but you're rubbish. Now, go away. Why is it, you can tell me this because you know about stuff, why is it that the, the winners of The Voice, we've never heard of them again, and the winners of X Factor, we have? Because I don't think The Voice works. Uh, I was asked to, to, to do The Voice and turned it down because I don't think The Voice is honest enough. I mean, at least you know what you're getting with, with, with X Factor. It is, it is what it is. But the, the voice, to me, falls between two stools. Great to talk to you, Pete. And, Pleasure, uh, And uh, hope to see you back on the TV before too long, all right? Thanks, James. Cheers, thank you. Cheers, man. And there we have it, one Pete Waterman. Uh, done pretty well for himself, haven't you, Pete? Uh, we loved him. Real, really, really nice guy. Lovely to talk to him. All right, that is Show Talk, the Pete Waterman version. Uh, there's lots of other great interviews with lots of other great stars. Uh, if you subscribe away, you'll never miss one. There is a radio show version of this as well here on uh, many stations around the country. Great Yorkshire Radio is one of them. Uh, radio Verulam is another one. Uh, Islands FM in the Isles of Scilly, that's another one. Anyway, check out uh, showtalk.biz all the details are there and subscribe away and uh, most of the stuff turns up on podcast as well but you don't get the songs uh, thanks very much for listening and we'll catch you next time around <laughs>